The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good day, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Uh, this is your host, Richard Address, coming to you from the wet, rainy, icy, gloomy, cloudy studios of WWDB here in Greater Philadelphia, AM 860. Be careful. Please be careful. I already slipped on the black ice this morning, so be careful out there. And um, we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. You can reach us at Boomer Generation Radio at gmail.com and on the Facebook page for Boomer Generation Radio. And a reminder that the shows are podcast on my website, www.JewishSacredAging.com. And we're going to be right back with our two guests who got up real early this morning from the West Coast, Dr. Dorinda Schubert and Renee Mosley from Bridge Meadows in Portland, Oregon. We'll be right back with them right after this brief message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio was brought to you by Kendall a system of not-for-profit communities and services in eight states that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Please join us in together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our first segment here on Boomer Generation Radio this morning. Uh, Dr. Dorinda Schubert, the Executive Director of Bridge Meadows, and Renee Mosley, the Associate Director. Ladies, are you there? We are here. Hey, Good morning. we worked. Well, I thank, first of all, thank you for getting up so very, very early out there on the West Coast. How's life in Portland early this morning? Well, it's a little here. rainy. Yes, we have a similar weather, but not as cold. Well, yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah, we're we're under a, a, a torrential rain rain watch after all the snow and black ice this morning. So, in other words, it's winter here in Philadelphia, and who needs it? Serves no purpose. But spring training starts in two days, so that's really all that counts. Bridge Meadows, Bridge Meadows in Portland, Oregon, and uh, this is a very, very unique and interesting concept. Um, Dr. Schubert, why don't you just walk me through very, very quickly, what is Bridge Meadows? What is your mission? Why is it so unique? Well, thank you for having us, Richard. We're happy to be up early to share the story of Bridge Meadows. (laughs) Bridge Meadows is a three-generation neighborhood devoted to helping children become adopted from foster care, supporting those families so the families thrive and those adoptions stay strong, and then providing meaning purpose for elders who serve as surrogate grandparents and mentors to the children and the families. And after being open for almost five years, we see such reciprocity in the community where everybody's giving back to one another. And it looks more like a, a family, an extended family, than a community. And that's because everybody's coming there to live with the same purpose. And that purpose is helping those children thrive and live abundant lives. And thereby, everybody else gains in their own well-being. The parents feel strong and effective as parents and feel very supported. And the elders are living with such meaning and purpose and reason to get up in the morning. They're part of those children's lives, proudly helping them pass their spelling tests, proudly cheering them on at their sporting events, 
and it's um, quite wonderful to see this community come together. It was created by sociologist Dr. Brenda Ehart in um, Illinois, and we adapted the model for our purposes here in Portland. So we're very grateful for her groundbreaking and um, allowing us to have the opportunity to expand the model. And um, and, and as she would say, we made it better, which I think is the ultimate compliment. So, Renee, let me let me understand this too. Um, Bridge Meadows is a residential community for people over the age of fifty-five. That is correct. Well, that's partly correct. So, we are a housing community, a rental housing community, uh, made up of nine homes for families who are adopting kids from foster care, and twenty-seven apartments for adults fifty-five and older. Um, who, as Dorenda said, act as, as honorary grandparents to the, to the families. So how do you so, match the, so the, these people who move in, obviously, well, not obviously anymore, but, but I'm going to assume do, their children are grown. If they have children, they're, they're grown and out of the house. And then you match them to youngsters who are in the, the social service network system, and, they, and it's a, is it like a mentoring match system? Well, there's a, there is a match that goes on, but it's really more of an organic match. So the families come to, to us already uh, matched with their, the kids that they will be adopting. So we receive referrals from our Department of Human Services, which is our um, organization that handles adoptions and guardianships. So the families come to us already aware that they're ready to adopt but okay. need support. So, so they've come to us. Uh, and, and the other thing we found um, very early in the process was that uh, the folks who, the families that most need um, our support and this model support are relative caregivers, uh, grandmothers who are adopting their grandkids because their adult children uh, lost care of the children, aunts, cousins. And so what we found was that it's really the fa- it's um, actually single moms. Uh, and many of them are older, who need the support of a community in helping to uh, raise their, their now children. Uh, the, the elders come to us from different walks of life. They've heard about us uh, through medi- mediums like this, or they've read about us. Uh, they've come to us from adult children who've heard about us. Mm-hmm. And they come with the intention of giving back to the community. One of the requirements for the elders, and we use the word elders because to us that, that, that and from from them that demonstrates wisdom and that they're sharing their wisdom but the elders are required to participate a hundred hours of community service to the community um, every quarter uh, and so when you ask about the matching what we do is we ask the elders tell us what your gifts and talents are tell us what, how you'd like to share tell us how you'd like to connect uh, and often at the same time we have Structured, more structured activities. Um, we had more in the beginning. Now we don't have as many because the relationships have been formed. But we had to have activities in place to help people connect because, you know, it's kind of like going off to college and you don't really know your neighbor, but you're there for a purpose. And so we needed to provide an avenue for folks to connect. Um, so they get to, lo- to they get to know each other. They they learn about uh, hobbies, interests. Uh, if we find out that there is a 10-year-old that's struggling with math, well, because uh, we know elders have filled out an application about how they'd like to volunteer, we know who is good at math. And so we make the match that way. Um, we call it uh, Match.com Bridge Meadows style, mm-hmm. where we, uh, we specifically um, try to not infiltrate too much, but, but facilitate the connections. Uh, and then what we encourage is for families to form relationships and elders the same way that they would 
in any setting. Get to know who's going to babysit your little one. Go out for coffee. Um, the elders' contribution uh, doesn't mean that it has to be a task, though many of them uh, tutor, they mentor. It just means hanging out with another family, with another child. And so that's a little bit how the connection um, happens. Do the, do the children who are matched to the families, do they, mm-hmm. do they live with these families or do they live somewhere else? They live with the families. They live so they with come the to bridge. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. So they come to bridge when they come to Bridge Meadows. Well, I, I'll just quickly walk you through the process. Uh, we, uh, Dorinda and I, initially five years ago, <laughs> we went to the Department of Human Services and explained the, the program. And we had initially went to them uh, almost seven years ago to ask what the need was. And the need was um, older children, sibling sets. Um, and kin who were not who needed support in making these permanent connections. So we go to the Department of Human Services and says, okay, say, okay, so we have a home available. Uh, do you have a family that you think uh, would fit? And a family meaning a relative who's in the process of adopting, who would like to adopt, but they need support. And they then in turn tell us, yes, we do have a family. And the the match may have been made before they've come to Bridge Meadows, or it could be that in order for the match to take place, they need to be in a supportive setting. So some families, some parents come to us in the process um, of uh, receiving kids. Some come to us, they've just received the kids, but the adoption hasn't been finalized yet because they need a supportive setting. And, and the social workers want to make sure that um, the family have the, they have the supports in place for them to be successful. We're speaking with Dr. Dorinda Schubert, the Executive Director of Bridge Meadows in Portland, and Renee Mosley, the Associate Director of Bridge Meadows. And the, uh, if somebody wants some information, uh, Dr. Schubert, uh, what's the web, the, the web address, uh, for Bridge Meadows? How does somebody lock on, tap in, connect, whatever the word is? <laughs> <laughs> our our email I mean excuse me, our website address is Bridge Meadows. It's plural, bridgemeadows dot O R G. And um you also can call the offices at five oh three nine five three eleven hundred. So with this this very interesting concept of of somebody taking residence at Bridge Meadows signs up and understands that there is a, a requirement uh, or a suggested uh, 100 hours of community service. Is that correct? 100 hours. Yes. Yes. That, that's that's a, in a month or in a, in a year. No, no, a quarter. A quarter. So every 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 four months. So um, or three months. That's I'm not very good at math, especially this morning. Um, walk me through what are what are some of these uh, communal communal service activities um, that some of the residents partake in. So we well, have there's art classes. Oh, there's art classes and um, there's mentoring, there's tutoring, there's babysitting, and then there's did you talk to a child uh, about his or her day at school? Did you go to the dance recital? Did you um, visit with a mom and listen to the trials and tribulations of being a parent? 
Did you take one another to the doctor? Did you take somebody to the grocery store? It's really about connecting. That's what this is about. It's not about do the windows at Bridge Meadows need to be washed or the vacuum the carpeting. It's about did you connect with somebody today or tomorrow or um, over the weekend? And our elders love that. And the real the purpose of that hundred hours of contribute contribution is really about their health and well being and having a reason to get up in the morning because we understand the um, the deficit, the, what really the bad things that happen when social isolation happens, especially for our elders, um, depression, bad health outcomes, um, bad heart heart um, disease happens, and this is a way for them to get up in the morning and have a reason to be connected and have a reason to get up. And really, we watch our elders come in a little nervous about, as Renee said, it's a little awkward. How do you connect? I don't know you people. What am I supposed to do with you? And we encourage. Well, what do you love to do? What is it that makes you happy? What brings you joy? That's what we um, encourage you to do. And then we, as Renee said, we help make connections. We have a lot of talk. There's a lot of talking that goes on at Bridge Meadows. There's um, a lot of opportunity for people to share in um, different kinds of settings. We have Wisdom Circle. We have Community Forum. We have a lot of ways for people to connect. And that will start to create those bonds. And so it's not as though, um, and they also log this. And we're logging it, and I'll let Renee share why, but we're logging this um, to study. What is it that's happening? So, Renee, maybe you could share about that. So one of the things, we're doing two things right now. We are uh, in the process of um, having, uh, we contracted with Portland State University's Institute on Aging to conduct an impact evaluation to really look at what's the impact on our residents in living living at Bridge Meadows. Um, and at the same time, uh, we have asked the elders to, and we use the word elders um, very reverently, uh, we ask them to track what they're doing so we can tell the story of all that happens because we have lots of um, anecdotes, but we really want to be able to quantify mm-hmm. what's happening. And what we're finding is that um, elders will, well, two things. One is elders, in the beginning, they had a hard time writing it down because they had fun. And they felt that I shouldn't write it down because it it shouldn't count. And what we really are trying to get folks to understand is you can have fun and connect, but we, we're really trying to demonstrate how important this project is. Uh, so, so they log their hours, and they end up doing quite more than 100 hours per quarter. Because when you're talking about connecting and having fun, that and it's and it becomes a part of your everyday life it ends up being how you live uh so we have elders who who do a thousand twelve hundred hours a year uh and again it's not about they all babysit for those hours uh but it's that they are helping one another uh, one of the things that we've seen um as outcomes as we've seen with our elders uh a they are staving off medical conditions a lot longer we've had elders who have lived with cancer and they still volunteer in between chemo appointments because they don't want to be isolated Mm -hmm. they want to be connected their doctors are telling them that you know keep doing what you're doing because you are doing really well uh we've had elders who've had some serious medical conditions and they get not not only support through them but then they come back and they come back to the community um, the children get a chance to witness uh, the aging process, and they're not scared by it. Uh, the elders get a chance to not be alone in their journey through uh, their trials and tribulations. And we also say it's not Shangri-La. <laughs> there's, 
You know, it's, it is really like an extended family. And there are times, you know, when you've got a crazy uncle that maybe you don't want to see right now. Well, that's what happens because it's family. And, uh, and everybody gets that. Uh, and it took time for that to happen. We're five years in, and it took a while for people to be okay with um, it's not perfect. But it's also what life is. It's a microcosm of, of, of how we live. Uh, we have... Uh, we've got lots and lots of funny stories of how people have had to deal with difference. Um, and one of the, the things that we, in the last year, have really been able to witness is how particularly our elders have had to um, deal with difference and, and challenge their beliefs at times. Uh, there are people who struggle with sexual orientation, gender identity, uh, ethnic identity, racial identity, and so they have to be able to be okay with difference. And we've witnessed um, people transform. Mm -hmm. They didn't know anybody um, who was an atheist, and now their neighbor is an atheist, and they take care of the same child. Right. So now I have a face to place to this um, and makes it human. Belief. Makes it exactly. human. Exactly. Yes, exactly. We're speaking with Dr. Dorinda Schubert, the executive director of Bridge Meadows in Portland, and Renee Mosley, the associate director. We'll be right back uh, with Dorinda and Renee right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio was brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services in eight states that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Please join us in Together Transforming the Experience of Aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 888- Welcome back to our first segment here of Boomer Generation Radio. We're speaking with Dr. Dorinda Schubert, the Executive Director of Bridge Meadows, and Renee Mosley, the Associate Director of Bridge Meadows, a uh, rather interesting uh, multi-generational mentoring community uh, located in Portland, Oregon, and the web address is www.bridgemeadows.org, Bridge Meadows one continuous word. Um, Dr. Schubert, you uh, were featured on a PBS NewsHour um, clip uh, a while ago, which started out with this rather uh, challenging statement that 15% of seniors live below the poverty line. Um, and then you w- it went into this story of Lynn, uh, which is a rather interesting story. So could you j- talk to me a little bit about um, Lynn and that story and, and how really it is representative of uh, what you're doing at Bridge Meadows? Oh, sure thing. Yes, we're very honored to be on the PBS NewsHour in April 2014. And that program did a wonderful job of highlighting uh, an intergenerational moment between uh, one of our families and um, a, a, an elder couple that lives at Bridge Meadows. And so uh, Jackie Lynn uh, is a great aunt of three young children who needed to have a forever home. And so she stepped forward in that family and said, I will take on these three children. And there she was, um, uh, barely scraping by as um, she herself is an elder, yet we don't refer to her that way at Bridge referred to her as a parent and she's working full time she's got three children and they're all struggling with um, the impact of being in foster care and their early life and she's trying to make ends meet and uh, do their homework and get them in the tub and all that and really just 
uh, exhausted and struggling at the end of the day, but knowing that this was really important for her to be their um, forever family. And in uh, she finds Bridge Meadows, she comes to live there, and she um, meets up with our um, dear elders, Joy and and Jim, who become very much an important part of those children's lives, and they now offer babysitting so she can save money that way. And Joy and Jim were looking for apartments in the city of Portland and were struggling to find something appropriate that they could afford because they needed to um, be on a first floor because of some health challenges. And they were um, almost having to compromise to live with steps, which would have been very isolating for Joy. She probably would have never really rarely left the apartment if that would have happened. And so when they found Bridge Meadows, uh, I, I often say the common response when people find Bridge Meadows is they tear up um, and it's tears of relief and um, and excitement because they have been struggling and here is an opportunity for them to have support in um, everyday life and so now what Jim and Joy do is live in an apartment where they don't need to worry about stairs and uh, Joy is a really an active part of the community she um, is the Pied Piper of the children she'll go out into the courtyard and she'll have her uh, pens and papers and, and pretty soon all the children will be gathered around her um, doing art with her and Jim um, takes the boys out on a regular basis, providing uh, Jackie an opportunity to get some housework done or just take a nap or um, cover for her while she's at work so she doesn't have to pay uh, so much for uh, child care. So you can see both of these um, situations were challenged economically. Even though Jackie has a full-time job, it's expensive to find housing here in Portland, and it's also expensive child care, and three kids are expensive. Right. So, um, And then you have Jackie, and then you have Jim and Joy, trying to find affordable housing and um, and they've done it. So, uh, you know, this is a model that has so many positive impacts at so many levels. It's it, You know, it's, at the bare minimum, it's a three for one. You help three generations at once, children who no longer are languishing in foster care and then won't become expensive adults in the health care system because they're getting lots of loving care and they're healing through their trauma as children. And then you have parents who probably would be so stressed um, and taking on these children, but knowing it's the right thing to do and trying to find affordable housing and, and safe, high-quality affordable housing that they know will be taken care of. And then also the same for our elders who are, you know, on very limited income and trying to make it here in in our city. So um, it's it's affordable housing, it's child welfare, it's but at the, at the most, it's health and well-being and building a healthy community. And lots of communities live like this around the world. Um, and we just uh, engineered it here in Portland, Oregon. So before we start running out of time, and believe it or not, we're, we're, we're getting close. Are there other models of Bridgewater, uh, Bridge Meadows, Bridge Meadows communities springing up around the United States? Or are you right now the pilot? Um, no, there are others. The original is Hope Meadows in Rantoul, Illinois, our inspiration. And then there's Treehouse Foundation in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Then we're the third one. And then there is one in Tampa, uh, Florida. And, um, and now others are in, uh, in, in either some kind of degree of process of coming out of the ground. Um, in the near future, they'll be breaking ground in New Orleans um, with Bastion, which is to, their social purpose is helping wounded warriors. Right. So you can apply this idea to all kinds of social purposes. And so, but I think one of the other issues is this is obviously an unbelievable uh, program. How are you funded? 
Well, we are to build them. We're funded through public and private partnerships, and to to run it every day, it's rental income and private funding, and um, we work. We're working hard to also um, receive some small grant, uh, some small government grant money. Funding. So, if if, if uh, this, oh, there's a lot of grant money. The um, and the the the, the average cost for a person couple. To move into Bridge Meadows is is what? Can you share that with us? I mean, because it's people may sit be sitting out there and saying, "Well, I know how much it costs to go to the the over fifty five community and buy into that in my neighborhood." Is there a significant difference in Bridge Meadows? What's what's the? Is there an entry fee? Or is there how do how do I get in? So it's um, a rental community, as Renee said. So it's typical first and um, beautiful future deposit down. And uh, because the elder housing was built with low-income housing tax credits, there's a range set by the federal government. And on average, it's about $600 a month for our elders. Mm-hmm. And for our families, it's a sliding fee scale. And that's for a one- or two-bedroom, depending upon the family and the situation? The elder units are um, mostly one bedrooms, but there are a few two bedrooms, and then the family houses are four bedrooms. Is so, there anything you want to add, Renee? So, uh, and the, the rents are, are that low because of the range um, right. that's required by the federal government. Correct. I just want correct. to be clear about that. So, we have about a minute left in this segment. Um, if you could encapsulate the greatest gift that Bridge Meadows gives its residents and the program, what would it be? I would say a place where they know they belong and their life has meaning and purpose. Wow. Well, that, that, if that's, that, that's what you're doing, and obviously you are. Um, that's a gift, and that's a great gift to give another human being. And as you're saying, the power of the intergenerational aspect of this where basically everybody's giving to each other and then as a result giving to themselves and, and uh, allowing the allowing multi-generations to flourish is a great gift so congratulations we uh, Dr. Dorinda Schubert uh, the executive director of Bridge Meadows and Renee Mosley the associate director of Bridge Meadows in Portland Oregon this wonderful uh, program of intergenerational housing um www.bridgemeadows.org. That's the uh, address. And real fast before we have to close, uh, in case somebody wants to pick up the phone and call you, it's um, what's the phone number out there? It's five zero three. Go ahead. Gary code 503-953-1100. So, Dr. Dorinda Schubert and Renee Mosley, thank you very much for lots of good information. Great program, and I really appreciate you getting up so early out there in Portland. And um, <laughs> take take care. Say hello to Powell's Books for me. And uh, it's great, it's great city. I love going to, <laughs> love going to Portland and the whole area. So thank you very much. Continued good luck uh, in this great work that you're doing and transforming lives, really, and multi generationally. So take care. Uh, continue. Have a great day. Thanks again, ladies. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be back with our second segment uh, with uh, Peter Hecht of the Hecht Investment um, Group, uh, Johnny Montgomery Scott, and we've asked Peter to come on to really talk about how we're going to make some sense out of this market volatility, especially for baby boomers and just uh, a lot of angst. And uh, is this something that we need to just step back and take a take a breather on uh, or um, – is it a little bit more serious than we think?
So hopefully Peter will be calling in. He's supposed to. But first, we're going to go back to our little musical bridge between segment one and segment two. And it's a kind of a gray, gloomy day here. And it's a quieter Billy Joel song that I hopefully we can cue up. So Tony's going to take care of that. This is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall. 
Founded on Quaker principles, Kendall provides independent living, assisted living, memory support, skilled nursing and rehabilitation care for older adults in eight states. Whether you're looking for the intellectual and cultural stimulation of a college town or a big city, Kendall has a community for you. We are together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more, visit Kendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our second segment of Boomer Generation Radio today here on WWDBAM 860 in Philadelphia, and we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. You can reach us again at boomergenerationradio at gmail.com or like the program on the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. And once again, a reminder that all the shows are podcast, available as a podcast on www.jewishsacredaging.com. And we are very pleased to welcome back one of our regulars, uh, regular contributors to Boomer Generation Radio, Peter Hecht of the Hecht Investment Group of Janney Montgomery Scott, which provides concierge financial consulting and planning services. And um, they provide frequent updated response to your questions and uh, let me also remind people that you can contact uh, the Hecht Investment Group at 856-291-5028 the toll free number is 855-289-2168 that's uh, 855-289-2168 and Peter and his group uh, are always available and give you frequent response to your questions and keep communication open. Peter, are you there? I certainly am. How are Hi. you? Hi. How's, how's it, is it raining in Mount Laurel? Because it's pouring it here in is, the city of uh, Laurel. It is not raining right now in Mount Laurel, but we don't care because it's only a couple of days and then we open up for spring training. Yes, thank the Lord for that one. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> you know, and we all say appropriate prayers and uh, <laughs> offer appropriate sacrifices on Thursday. Speaking of <laughs> prayers, um, we invited you back um, to really talk, get, bring some sense, perhaps, to uh, our generation and uh, the generations below us, because uh, our children are starting to, to venture into figuring out uh, how to plan for the future and to take care of us uh, with this market volatility. So, uh, this uh, help me make some sense out of this. I know one of the frequent communications that that uh, the Hect Investment Group sends out was, was just sent out over the weekend, uh, talking about the market vol- volatility and and. Um, with a, a quote that says, the stock market is unfolding in a manner consistent with prior declines. Okay, for somebody who doesn't understand all this, walk me through what does that mean? Okay, uh, very simply, nothing goes up forever and nothing goes down forever. Uh, and when you're going through it, when the markets are strong and uh, every day you look and it's up, it's up uh, today, it's up tomorrow, it's up for the week, it's up for the month, you think it's never going to end. And the same is true when the market is correcting. And that's what we believe is happening. We're not in the beginning of a bear market. We believe that this is a natural course for a market. Now, there could be some outside events like China or Brazil or, you know, uh, North Korea or something like that. But those are events. Mm-hmm. Those are not fundamentals of the market. So we just think we're in a, we're in a major pullback here. And it's very painful uh, uh, to, to go through something like this. But I always think of this, and, and, I, and I like him a lot on CNBC, Kramer. Right. 
I think he has a lot of good things to say. He's a very bright guy. But people like him, pundits like him, when the market in March of 2009 was at 6500 he said, sell everything, put it in cash for the next five years. And now we're at 16000 So even pundits aren't always right, and they never have to go back and account for what they said. Yeah, or else so he would have lost his we, show. We just, pardon me? He would have lost the show, probably, if somebody called him on. Correct, correct. But uh, we think it's a normal course mm-hmm. uh, of events, and we think we're in a correction. Some people disagree with us. Uh, but again, it gets back to what we've talked before. How is your personal portfolio balanced for any type of market, whether it goes up or whether it goes down? And a lot of people panic because they say, uh-oh, the markets are down and I'm losing a lot of money. And when you sit down, they may only have 30 or 35 percent of their portfolio exposed to the market. The rest could be in fixed income and cash. So, again, one of your messages uh, and all the time that you've been on the show and your regular contributor is really uh, just stay the course and have a diversified approach and not to give in to the whims of, the, as you would say, the pundits. Would that be a correct assessment? Yes. You're going to see on – I keep picking on CNBC because that's the one that I have on my office, but I keep it on mute so I don't hear anything. <laughs> to, me it's, to me, it's noise. I just want it on there in case something happens, and I can see it cr- across the tape. But it really depends on how you're, how you're positioned in your portfolio. If you're younger mm-hmm. and you're more aggressive, welcome to the club. This is what happens. If you're older – are you conservative enough? Do you have the portfolio that makes you feel comfortable, that when you put your head down on the pillow at night, you feel comfortable? That's why we often say, you know, working with a professional, it's times like that, this, that you need uh, appropriate advice. So the other thing I just okay. want to mention is, and, and, and we use Vanguard funds, okay? We use a lot. I'm not plugging anybody. We use a lot of different ones, okay? But they did a wonderful study on their S&P 500 fund. And an S&P 500 fund, for your viewers who may not know, is a fund that follows the S&P 500, the 500 top stocks in the U.S., mm-hmm. okay? It's a barometer that people use. <clears throat> the Dow Jones is only 30 stocks. So the S&P 500 gives a broader uh, uh, indication of what's going on in the markets. Well, their S&P 500 fund, let's say over a particular period of time, averaged about 8%. The average investor in their fund averaged about 1% or 2% because they would panic at times like this Mm -hmm. and sell. And whenever you sell, you have another decision to make. When do I get back in? If I get back in. Right. You mentioned before, uh, Peter, the the impact um, of international events uh, or even some national events. And and, I, and when I watch the news and, and, and some of these shows, they always make, make such a big deal about, well, you know, there's a, a revolution this or the in, unrest in the Middle East or the oil, the OPEC has decided to do this or – 
North Korea shoots off a missile or the, the craziness with the elections all having an impact on the stock market. My, I get a feeling from listening to you that, that these events really, they have an impact, but they're not the driving force. Am I mishearing you or am I correct? No, that's correct. We, we believe those are what we call event-driven markets. They're driven by events in the, in the, in, in the world, and they pass. Mm-hmm. And if you go back, if you look at a normal chart of all the things that have happened in terms of events, assassinations, uh, impeachments, resignations, uh, 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 revolutions, uh, whatever it may be, uh, they, they pass. Events pass. And and uh, every nobody talks about uh, uh, Greece anymore. Remember, we had a conversation. Right. About Last Greece? time you were on, we could you we spent a lot of time, and you I, I I do give you compliments. We we last time you were on was in the this Greece the Greek crisis, and you said it's it's there, it's in the headlines, but in the long stepping back, it's not going to have a major impact upon the United States market. And Correct. You were, and you were right. Well, look, there's still problems in Greece. We, we, we seem to think that Europe is behind us and Europe is a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want your listeners to go out and take 50% of their portfolio and put it in Europe. That's not what we're saying. We may have exposure in, 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 in foreign markets of about 5 to 10%, and now maybe we're increasing it to 15%. But again, we don't try and put a paintbrush across everything and whitewash everything. It depends on the individual. The, the 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 statements that are coming out now, uh, you know, the monthly jobs reports and this, always seem to be indicating that that um, we're in a sense of maybe a recovery, a slow recovery. But um, is in your expert opinion, because you, know, you deal with this twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, are these numbers that we keep seeing um, continuing to be a positive sign that that the United States' economy is basically sound and healthy? Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a slow-growth economy, and this is what happens. It doesn't mean that every day is a good day. And I think you and I have talked about this before, and we're, we're apolitical. So I'm, what I'm about to say doesn't mean I support one party or the next. But I recall when people said that when President Obama was – if he was reelected, the economy would go straight down the tubes and the market would go straight down the tubes. It did not. Markets really don't care about politics. As a matter of fact, markets usually like one party in the White House and the other party in the Congress. Mm-hmm. It's a check and balance. People feel safer. They feel that one party's not going to do anything really crazy. Well, and let so us, let us the hope. same was, was true with Clinton. Mm-hmm. And when you see we, try, we got into issues, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking politics, but when, when the same was true with Reagan. And how he had, he had to meet and work out with, with, uh, with the Congress because mm-hmm. it was Democratic. So people, investors feel safe that there's a, there's a, a check and balance. We're speaking with Peter Hecht uh, of the Hecht Investment Group of Johnny Montgomery Scott. And again, if you want to contact them, um, the toll-free number is 855-289-2168. And the local number here in uh, the local area is 856-291-5028. Again, the toll-free is 
289-2168. And uh, the Hecht Investment Group of Jenny Montgomery Scott providing concierge financial consulting and planning services. We'll be back with Peter uh, to finish up today's program right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall. Founded on Quaker principles, Kendall provides independent living, assisted living, memory support, skilled nursing, and rehabilitation care for older adults in eight states. Whether you're looking for the intellectual and cultural stimulation of a college town or a big city, Kendall has a community for you. We are together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more, visit Kendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our second segment here on Boomer Generation Radio, coming to you from the studios of WWDB AM860 here in Greater Philadelphia. And again, we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. Reach us at BoomerGenerationRadio at gmail.com or like the Boomer Generation Radio page on Facebook. We're speaking again with Peter Hecht uh, the, of the Hecht Investment Group of Jenny Montgomery Scott. And again, that toll-free number is 855-289-2168. Um, best advice then, Peter, uh, was with, I was having dinner uh, on a, over the weekend with an old friend of mine, and we were talking about some of these issues. And he looked me straight in the eye and said, well, Richard, you know, I'm just going to have to keep working. I can't afford to. He's a guy 66 years old. He says, I can't afford to retire given what's happening with the market. So I'm just going to have to keep working. What For the baby boomers out there who are in that position, who are watching that 401K, whatever that is, up and down and fluctuate, what's your best advice? Well, again, it's difficult to give to paint it with a, a brush, but they need to be talking with someone, or they need to be sophisticated uh, enough themselves that they pick a strategy that fits their risk level mm-hmm. and their time frame. That's why, and you've heard us say it over and over again, it's important to have an analysis done, to have a financial plan, to have a retirement plan. You know, we even talk to our clients when they financially they could be very set. Well, what are they going to do in retirement? Well, I'm going to I, I like to play golf. I'm going to play golf every day. Well, what are you going to do on rainy days? <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's got to be more. Are you going to volunteer? Do you, are you going to consult? Do you have a family member that that you want to help? All all kinds of things, and you know this yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've gone after, on after your retirement from the pulpit to do many, many other things. You write. You have the show. You watch the Phillies. <laughs> That's the – yes. <laughs> I said that things can be painful sometimes. Yes. But, 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 but the point is, is that your portfolio does not stop when you retire. It continues. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things we're going to do uh, th- this year, and I, I know you've, you've talked about it, is we're going to have a, a seminar on Social Security, and I know everybody does that. And, you know, that's the new the new thing now. We're going to have an expert come in who's written several books. And I'm, just to plug us here for a second, one of the questions he asks is, I can, or one of the things he says is, I can figure out your 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 what you should do with your Social Security. Answer one question for me. 
And everybody says, sure. And his question is, tell me when you're going to die. Right. We don't know. So you have to plan to see what is the best for you and your family. Are you better off taking it 62? Do you want to wait to 66? Are you better off waiting to 70? There, there are a lot of there are a lot of factors that go into that decision. Yeah, I, I think again the the message that keeps coming through in the, in despite the volatility is patience, stay the course, and it's very very individual. And I, I think that's something that gets lost in the media. Uh, of what you're trying to say is that if you're sitting down, you really need to you really need to speak to someone who can, give, can step back and give a broader picture and tailor. Your a, a program or a plan to your individual family and needs because um, that makes the most sense. There is no one size that fits all. I remember you keep saying that over and over again, and different circumstances change. And you know, for when you have to go into, for example, God forbid, if if you retire or planning retirement, all of a sudden the medical issue happens and you have to be a caregiver and siphon off some of that money for home health care or other health expenses that's uh, comes right. as a shock and it's hard it's hard to plan for that uh, especially medical stuff let me ask right. you let me let me before we start running out of time because you just touched alluded to it a, a little while ago and while this is imp- all this planning and staying the course and 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 really you know not panicking is very very crucial for boomers and the need to talk to somebody and i remember you also saying that it's never too late for the boomers to really sit down with somebody i'm increasingly hearing concerns and we've talked about this a little bit about our children's generation the gen xers and even the millennials um how do we begin to educate these young people in their late 30s or 40s uh, or even the kids now coming out of college in their 20s and early 30s, the millennials, that sitting down with somebody and trying to create a plan is excruciatingly important? That's an excellent question, and you and I have talked about this previously. We, we do a lot of work with other generations. Many of the parents have worked with us for many years, and their children, who obviously may not have the portfolio that their parents have, need help. And that's what we do. It's very important that they start planning. Uh, Oftentimes, we'll meet with them separately or together, depending upon work schedules. Um, and, and, And it's just we encourage them to come to our dinners, our seminars. They're not canned. You know, uh, so it's 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 very important that they that they be talking to someone. Um, so often we have parents who come to us and they say their children did this, that, and the other. Can you look at it for me and tell me what you think? And it's really not the right thing for 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 the for the child. So it, it's very important that they see see someone professionally and start the groundwork work. You know, it's like it's like when you start making an income after a while, are you going to keep doing your own taxes or are you going to see a professional? Mm-hmm. I've used a professional for many, many years because that person has given me great advice throughout the years, not just done my taxes. So it's, it's, the, it's the same concept, same concept. So this multi-generational thing, I think this is really important for, for people to understand that the, this financial planning thing is not just the province of, let's say, the AARP group, people over the age of oh, 50. No. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's a challenge. I mean, how do we educate? 
because I know a lot of our kids' generation, they're, they're trying to just put things together and almost live from paycheck to paycheck. The idea of having to put something away. And a lot of them don't have pension plans. Um, cause as you know, a lot of these pl- uh, benefit plans have, have undergone radical change in the last 10, 15 years. So I imagine this is a really challenging thing for you as a professor. Are one of your, I know you, you, your office sponsors these, as you alluded to it, a, a series of dinners, seminars where you deal with, where you deal with specific issues. Have you ever, you know, what other, ideas have you begun to think about for the year 2016? Well, we, we try and make them fun and educational. For instance, uh, we're, we're going to do four this, this year. We haven't picked our dates out yet. We will very soon, and I will certainly let you know. Right. But one that we did a couple of years ago that we had a lot of fun with, we had a company come in, one of the phone companies, come in, and they educated us on the iPad and the iPhone. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. People learned about new apps, had different questions. It was a lot of fun. We are very fortunate this year, and through a client of ours, we have uh, the assistant U.S. attorney for uh, uh, in Philadelphia who's in charge of cybersecurity. He's going to come and speak to one of our dinners. Uh, and then uh, we mentioned Social Security, but something that I know that is, is very close to you and you're, you're going to help us uh, participate in that, um, we are going to talk about end of life. It's a very difficult topic. It's a necessary topic, and that's something that we want to encourage uh, uh, seniors to come to and their children. The children, the children, yeah. You have seen it time and time again. I can't tell you how many times we've seen it in the financial industry, and I know other advisors, the same situation. When when something happens, money does funny things to people, and things change, and, and there were, uh, you know, uh, we thought this was going to happen or that was going to happen, and it didn't happen, and it's very, very difficult. So it's a very, it's a very sensitive topic, but very important topic. And I think uh, you know we've spoken with Dr. Dan Gottlieb, right. who's going to also participate. Yeah, the the issue of money. I mean, it, it's not only financial planning. I think, uh, especially as we get older and see the impact of money. I, I was just doing a seminar on. Something touching this this weekend in Houston, and again the the issue of um, second marriages or third marriages with people who have no you know who children are grown, and invariably um, the issue of well if you marry this person what happens to our what the inheritance we were thinking of we were going to get and is it going to have to I'm sure that you see this in your office and it can get very very dicey. Yes. It can, and and uh, uh, we're we're very careful about, particularly with second marriages, children from a previous marriage. There are many many things, and obviously we work with a number of state planning attorneys in the area to help clients work those things out, so that uh, when it you know when they are later in life, it gives them peace of mind. Right. I just updated my estate plan within the last four or five months. You know, I'm going to be a grandfather for That's the first know. time. Correct. Yeah. So, so yeah. So so 
it's very important that these things be done. And you know, you just since you mentioned the uh, uh, the grand, is, how important is it for a person to uh, come in and have a regular checkup, like they have a medical checkup once a year? How important uh-huh. is it to do the financial check? Uh, extremely important. You, extremely important. Do you recommend uh, how many times once a year somebody should come in and just say this is where I well, am? I'm not a doctor. I can't say, but I would say at least once a year. Yeah, that's at that's something that goes by. Doctors, certain physicians will have you come to them every six months, right? Depending upon your age and your your ailments. So I think you that's know, really wanted, I think mm-hmm. I think that's really important for you to mention that, uh, especially mm-hmm. in these times with the volatility and, and the uncertainty. That if you just schedule a yearly financial checkup with uh, your financial advisor, because every year things change, your life changes, uh, your health may change, you may need to draw more, you may need to draw less. And um, right, look, we, you know, we run a boutique operation. Right, we're in touch with our clients every month. Four of those uh, uh, contacts are quarterly reviews, and two are in person. That's at a minimum. If somebody wants more, they get more. But you need to do that. People plan more, spend more time planning a vacation than they do for their, their financial future and yeah, their retirement. That's true. So we have been speaking with Peter Hecht of the Hecht Investment Group of Janney Montgomery Scott, located in Mount Laurel, a good friend of the show. Again, if you want to reach them, their toll-free number is 855-289-289. 268. That's 855-289-2168. Peter, thank you very, very much for your time, and uh, you're always right on opinions and advice. We wish you a good week. Stay dry today. It's crazy out there. To all of you, have a wonderful week. Uh, next week, we're going to be replaying this um, very, very important uh, interview that we did a couple of weeks ago with uh, Dr. Rick Moody. Uh, on the whole nature of what's changing in the whole field of aging. And uh, we're going to be doing that for you next week. So take care. Stay healthy. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.